Blog Talk Radio. America's quintessential iconoclastic anomaly. Wow. In talk radio, your host, Joe Cristiano. Welcome, everyone, to Liberty Talk Radio, America's libertarian voice, broadcasting from our studio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to around the world. I'm your host, Joe Cristiano, and this is your antidote to popular talk radio. Folks, it's time for us to take back control of our government, now before this bureaucratic, oversized, and self-serving federal government starves us of our property, our freedom, our rights and our liberty. But to do this, we must shed conventional thinking regarding our political structure. We need to be revolutionaries in thought, dissidents in action, only after we recognize what our government is doing to our freedom and our constitution will we start taking it back. And this program is just about that. Today, we are pleased and honored to have Mr. Bart Fraser, Vice President of the Future of Freedom Foundation, to be on our show. Um, to educate, hopefully today he can educate us a little bit on government programs that give us the warm and fuzzy feeling, but in fact, are quite destructive to society. Sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? But unfortunately, it's true. Join us by calling out number 646-652-4620. That's 646-652-4620 during our live broadcast with your questions or comments. Please press the one button because some people just listen in via phone. If you want to break in and ask a question or make a comment, press the one button and we'll put you on the air. You'll be part of the show. You'll be be famous like I am. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bart, thank you very much for joining us on Liberty Talk Radio. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Joe. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, there's a host of things that uh, – subjects that are just sort of hot subjects today. Um, uh, it, I, I guess there's no end to it today, you know, with uh, – and I, I guess with our, our, uh, our president, the new president, I guess, I guess he's not so new anymore. He's nine months old. Uh, he adds to the list, by the way, in my opinion. I mean, we can talk about almost anything and, uh, and, and have a ball for about a half hour, 45 minutes. But let's start off a little bit about some current events. We we noticed that the um, there's a, a, a an uproar regarding the um, uh, football players kneeling down during the national anthem. Now I have some very strong opinions on this, but I I'll withhold them for a while. And uh, I'd like your opinion of that, and in relationship to really who owns the stadium, you know. And what's the job, you know, of 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 the managers of the football st- of the uh, of the teams themselves, and what's the responsibility, you know, of of the players themselves? Take it away. Well, uh, you know, my opinion, first of all, is that if, if, if your viewers don't know it, uh, the Department of Defense actually pays for most of these patriotic displays, the flyovers the flag displays, the military marching out for the national anthem. The DOD actually pays uh, about 50 sports teams uh, in the United States, baseball, football, et cetera. So even if you are a fan of it, you know, keep it in your mind that 
this is being purposely shown to you. This is, I mean, if you want to call it propaganda, it's propaganda. It's war propaganda. I see. So that is the, that's the first thing to keep in mind. Uh, the second thing is, is that, uh, you know, uh, this is a, a First Amendment type issue, right? So if we're talking about whether or not you agree with what the players are doing, you know, it's, it's up to you. I personally, you know, I don't care. But the, the, the sad part is that all these players are being put in this position to begin with. And this wasn't the case of, uh, several years ago. I think up until 2009, before that, the players all stayed inside their locker rooms while the National Anthem was being played. And it was the DOD who actually paid for them. They're paying the NFL to come out and, uh, and be part of the ceremony. So it's the NFL that's supposed to, is actually responsible for this. They're the ones having to, they have actually created this mess in the first place by taking this money, by you know, creating this, this uh, nationalist, jingoistic uh, display in the very first place. Why, why doesn't the mainstream corporate media make this point why why do you have to hear it all on alternative radio or alternative television you never hear the facts you never hear the facts behind what is going on you know from mainstream media you just get the surface stuff enough that just sways people to be prejudiced one way or the other drives me nuts well I I don't think that's entirely accurate because the the big name newspapers were reporting this. I mean, the Washington Post, I believe, I uh, may be incorrect, but I believe it was the Washington Post that broke this story about two years ago. Um, and but people don't one pay attention, you know, uh, they just don't pay attention. Two, they don't care, you know, they just don't care that this is, you know, uh, wool being pulled over their eyes, and. When you all boil it, when you boil it all down, people like this stuff. Unfortunately, that that is the real issue. That's that's our mm-hmm. biggest problem. Is that this is militarism, this is nationalism, and it rings with people. Uh, you know, I wrote an article on this. I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan. I love the Washington Nationals. They made the playoffs. Go Nationals next next week. Uh, but I, I I can't stand the militarism. You know, it's it's right in Washington D.C. So. You know, all the games are in the belly of the beast, and uh, every every fourth inning of every game, they have they have uh, military veterans as guests. They ask the crowd to all stand up and wave their hats to honor the veterans. And every single time, I mean, you're talking forty thousand people standing ovation. And so, and again, people don't realize that this is being paid for by the DOD. This is you know, uh, lemmings running off the cliff. But they like it. I mean, this, this is what people want, and this is what that is being supplied to them: bread, bread and circuses. Yeah. Well, actually, the DOD is not paying for it. The taxpayer is paying for it. They yes. just collect this, the money and true. then divvy it out. And this is one thing that we, you know, we hear very often on on all sorts of news media how the government is doing something. You know, for example, the aid to Florida and to um, uh, to Texas because of these hellacious hurricanes and now Puerto Rico, they say the government is providing. I go time out. No, the government is not providing squat. 
it's the it's the citizens of North Dakota that are paying <laughs> for this thing. You know, the citizens of, of the wonderful state of Oklahoma that I live in, you know, we are the ones that are paying for it. So stop giving credit to somebody in Washington, credit to everybody around the United States that had absolutely no say on whether or not they can give, to, the government should give it, first of all. And, you know, I, I gave money voluntarily, you know, to the organizations that are helping people in Florida and, and, and Texas, you know. But it galls me that the government's got to take my money and then spend it. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, it. At the Future of Freedom Foundation, you know, our, our libertarian take on all issues is first and foremost a moral one. And now, it, in almost all cases, you know, a libertarian solution being the moral one is also, pragmatically speaking, the most efficient one, too, just because of the nature of economics and spontaneous order and a free society. But if you take every issue that we talk about, you know, talking about all our warm and fuzzy programs, the very first issue that we will always bring up is the moral one and that it is all funded by theft. And that's what it is. You know, it, it, it's wrong. If my, if my wife was ill and she needed some kind of, you know, a medical procedure to help improve her life or even maybe save her life, I don't think there'd be anybody, not one of your viewers who would condone it if I went and held up my neighbors at gunpoint to get the funds to pay for that. But yet if government does the same thing, you know, for instance, Aid to Puerto Rico, uh, Houston, or you know anywhere else there's a disaster. You're taking money from some people and giving it to others. And as noble as you know the the end result may be, it is still theft. Right. Well, Puerto Rico is an excellent example. It's it's very difficult to to take that position when you see a con- country has been ravaged well by the the hurricane as Puerto Rico, where it's just totally annihilated. I mean, just as bad as if a a bombing raid went over and bombed everything out. Um, uh, I guess the the question people ask, well, if if the government doesn't step in, what will happen to those people? How would you respond to that? It's easy. It's it's, um, uh, charity. It is, uh, you know, the the natural giving spirit of all um, people. Humans in general, but particularly American citizens, are extremely giving. And a good, a great example of this, if you go back before, you know, federal aid existed, was uh, when a hurricane hit Galveston, Texas, in the early 20th century. It was devastating. I mean, you know, one, more people died, and, and two, the infrastructure that they had back then just wasn't as uh, hard as it is now. It was much more susceptible to damage, um, and you know, it was private industry, you know, and charity that, you know, helped uh, recover. Same thing with the great earthquake in San Francisco uh, and the fires that ensued. Uh, it was all private charity. Yeah. So that is my answer is private charity. I and mean, you're, there's one, it is the most moral answer to this question. And, and two, it works. Right. Well, back, I, I want to say 1904, I'm not sure of the year, but there was a tremendous earthquake that where the Mississippi River actually flowed backwards. I mean, <laughs> when went in reverse. I forgot what year it was. And everything on both sides of the Mississippi totally devastated. There wasn't one dollar that the, the federal government at the time never even hinted on helping out. And yet within six months to a year, everyone was back to work. Everything was rebuilt. And 
today people say, had the federal government been involved, if that happened today, well, of course it would be a larger scale, but had the government get involved, it would take years before they get back to it, if ever. They said oh, sure. they'd be much better off with the government not getting involved. For example, in Puerto Rico, you know, they still have that, uh, uh, that restriction where everything that coming into a Puerto Rican port has to be on an American ship. So a ship have to, has to stop somewhere, you know, for a foreign ship with supplies, put it on an American ship, American flagship at least, and then it comes here and it's holding everything up. Why don't they just allow the ships to come in? It's an emergency, but they, it's, it's more process over progress. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you know, I feel sorry for the people of Puerto Rico, obviously for the, the damage just, was just inflicted on, on their, you know, their society there, but you know, they are, they're a colony, right? They are a colony of the United States. And so they are, uh, you know, they unfortunately are, you know, uh, uh, are the, have to uh, do what the federal government and they are beholden to the federal government and they are completely constricted by regulation. So one is this perfect example of uh, the shipping that would make their life better. I do believe I read that, that um, President Trump recently lifted that ban by executive decree. That's another question, you know, completely uh, uh, entirely whether or not, you know, that's constitutional or not. But he did. Uh, but also the minimum wage down there, uh, I'm sure zoning restrictions. He lifted all of those restrictions, uh, I'm sure you would see Puerto Rico recover in no time, but they are beholden to the federal government, and I, I'm, I, I'm, I fear that it's going to take a long time for that, much longer than, than, I, than would be necessary for that island to recover. You know, I, I never understood the um, – I was in Puerto Rico recently, and um, I never understood the um, minimum wage in Puerto Rico. Their basic – standard of living is like one third of what Mississippi is, and yet they have the same minimum wage, you know, as Homer. Um, it, it doesn't fit, the shoe doesn't fit. I mean, why did they impose that restriction, that employment restriction in Puerto Rico? Why did we care at that point? I mean, if it was operating okay the way it was, let the free market exist in Puerto Rico. The the starting salaries will equalize according to their economy, and things will be productive. Well, that's the way it should be everywhere, right? Uh, you know, in areas where you know the the prevailing wage is above the minimum wage, and Washington D.C. is a good example. Um, you know, you have a much more efficient market. I mean, you can't get a babysitter in the D.C. area for for minimum wage, uh, and so the market, in at least in that respect, it, it operates pretty efficiently, but you go and you, you know, when you go to an economy where, you know, the, the uh, basic inputs of labor, you know, a, a guy going to flip burgers will only bring you $3 worth of value in your local economy. Why on earth would anybody want to go and hire somebody like that and pay him $8 an hour? It's just a losing proposition. So why they did in Puerto Rico, I, I don't know the local politics there. If I had to guess, I would say that labor unions were probably involved, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, we we seem to want to reform everything. We never get rid of anything, and whenever we reform something, it seems that all we do is create another problem. Um, government could never eliminate 
programs. I mean, totally eliminate them. They always seem to hide them under another organization, another department, um, or or maybe they may re- retitle them so they they fit someplace else. What, at at what point? Right now, we are we're approaching twenty one trillion dollars trillion dollars with a T. You know, in current year's debt. Uh, I had Professor Kutlikoff here like a couple of weeks ago. He said the the real debt, long term and short term debt, is approaching 225 trillion. Uh, that's more than my uh, my uh, Sally, my uh, booking agent, spends you know at, at Dillard's in one day. You know, that's scary. Uh, yeah, it's scary. <laughs> you know what I'm um, uh, so, at, if this is not sustainable, we are a bankrupt nation. Um, now we have no debt ceiling. The sky's the limit. Isn't anyone in Washington saying you can't do this? And if you continue to do this, we're going to go the same way of Britain. We're going to go the same way as the Soviet Union. And if you want to go back to the Roman Empire, go back to the Roman. I mean, we can name probably a thousand um, empires in the past couple of thousand years that went the same way. Why do we persist on doing the same thing, expecting a different result? There's not that many people who care, for one. Uh, you know, there, there, are, there are very few politicians in D.C. who, you know, take their, their, their fiscal, you know, conservative credentials very seriously. Uh, most programs benefit somebody, right? So if you're going to reform it, have it benefit somebody else. Uh, it's, it's hard for a politician to stay in D.C. He's not going to play that game. Uh, a recent example that I think you know, really exemplifies this is the Export-Import uh, Bank. Uh, I'm sure you must be familiar with that. Where it's, and uh, they, they fund uh, American companies overseas to help exports. And there's really people called Boeing's Bank, right? Boeing benefits uh, enormously from it. Uh, sending planes overseas, and there's, I mean, it is a blatant form of corporatism. I mean, taking our money, right, taxpayer money, sending it over to big corporations and just basically putting it, depositing it in their bank account. People are aware of this. Uh, you know, op-eds across papers throughout the United States have all, you know, uh, uh, discussed about how bad this is, how we need to eliminate it. Everybody was in pretty much total agreement. At least there was somewhat of a political consensus that we needed to get rid of this, and yet it still trudges on. The worst, the worst. Uh, we cannot even get the political wherewithal to eliminate them. So I'm, I'm not very, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't have a good view in the long term of eliminating any federal programs whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that, uh, you know, like most empires, like you were just referring to, it's going to take a major calamity for anything to ever get done, like collapse the dollar or something worse. Yeah, but are are we really heading there? Um, the bureaucracy is getting worse. Uh, everything is getting more expensive. Um, they just hide all the expenses. They they hide all the hidden expenses. I mean, everything is, you know, nothing goes away that costs. Um, but yet people and many people that I have on my program that are in the higher income areas, multimillionaires to billionaires, what's really interesting is most of them don't even are Americans, 
not living in the United States anymore. They know sure. better. Oh, sure. I don't know where it ends. Uh, you know, uh, you know the, the, this inflationary scheme just keeps on going on. It's certainly unsustainable. Uh, I, I think if we ever get to the point where, uh, you know, uh, uh, foreigners, particularly the Chinese government in particular, uh, lose faith in our, our fiat money system, uh, you're going to see some really horrible, ugly times in this country. But uh, at the same time, I, I bet the Export-Import Bank doesn't do too well after that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I read an interesting article. I'm not sure if uh, Jacob Hornberg himself wrote this. I'm, I'm not sure who the author was, but it was how to solve, resolve the situation in North Korea. And basically it said, you know, withdraw all our troops, close all our bases, um, go to radio silence, don't say anything, let North Korea do what North Korea does and South Korea do what South Korea does, get out of Japan altogether, remove all our troops, our troops get home. This would eventually force South Korea, North Korea to the negotiating table without the big boys in the background, you know, nudging them on or, or, or dictating what they should say or do. And he said eventually, because it was a civil war to start off with, we decided to get involved in as a civil war, which we should have stayed out of altogether after World War II, um, and of course, which never got resolved. Um, and, and I sort of, after reading that, I said, that sounds logical to me, but that's dangerous because a lot of things sound logical to me that no one does. <laughs> so I, I, I've got to be the insane person. What say you about that? Oh, absolutely. That was an article by Jacob Warner, uh, which you can find on our website at fff.org. Uh, but we call for the withdrawal of troops from all foreign bases. Uh, North Korea is a prime example. Uh, we've been there for what 60 some odd years now. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, uh, it's just a fire waiting to happen. Uh, there's no reason for us to be there. We have absolutely no interest. Nobody over there is keeping us safe. Uh, absolutely, we should withdraw from South Korea. All of our troops, bring them all home. Bring them home from all countries all over the world. Right. It's, it's mm-hmm. been a little while since I've read the statistics, but we have, as last I remember, uh, bases in over 140 countries right. uh, all over the world, 800-some-odd bases, if I recall correctly. Uh, why? Uh, it, 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 it makes no sense whatsoever. There's no national security interest. Uh, and it does nothing but upset people in other countries. Uh, you know, that we, if, if we want enemies, this is certainly the best way to create them. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, the response that I get when I, when I mention that is that, but we're the policemen of the world. I go, who elected us? They said, well, if we don't do it, who will? They said, no one. I mean, everyone would police their own country. No one can give me an explanation of what policemen of the world means. I mean, uh, to me, it's so illogical, and people, most people think it's a perfectly logical position to take. No, sure. Well, I mean, another word for policeman of the world, to me, is bully, right? I mean, people do what we want them to do. Now, you know, I'm not sure I agree with you that if we were to withdraw all of our troops, that there would be no other policemen of the world. Uh, I mean, maybe China or Russia. Let's just assume that Russia or China started, you know, uh, swinging their swords a little uh, heavier than they do now. So what? You know, I mean, that, that's, that is the nature of the world, uh, you know, but it doesn't affect us. 
You know, right. and that that's I've got no problem with you know defending our country, but going out and 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 telling other countries, overthrowing other governments, uh, subverting their systems of government, um, you know, uh, supporting puppet dictators in Egypt and Saudi Arabia, and it, it, it is it is not uh, it's not a system of liberty. It is not. Uh, it's not what a free people should be doing. It's not the example we should be setting. You know, it, and actually, I would recommend a good book on this. Uh, Stephen Kinzer just came out with called True Flag, and it's about the foreign policy debate that ensued uh, in 1898 when the Spanish-American War broke out. And there are a lot of Americans who saw this happening and did not like it, knew what it meant that a free people you know, should not have colonies, uh, should not be in search of monsters to destroy, as John Quincy Adams said. So I'd, I'd highly recommend that book. Yeah. You know, and, and very few people realize that we were instrumental in literally destroying Chile. Um, we've been in Argentina. M- most South American countries, we have a tremendous amount of influence in, in some of the, because of some of the dictators that are there, et cetera. And, and yet we spend taxpayer money. I mean, we are working to support this military in, in this international military industrial complex. And then when we send, we, here's my problem. Some young, young man graduates high school, doesn't know what to do. He goes in the army. We train him to kill. Then we send him over to a place like Afghanistan to kill people. He comes back. His mind is all messed up because he knows he killed innocent people, but we're forced to under the circumstances and then his life is destroyed. And then we tell him, thank you for your service. I mm. mean, is, is that not a platform for total insanity? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I can't even tell you the number of young people I've talked to who were contemplating going into the service. And I've done my best to talk them out of it. Um, but, you know, I got to be honest with you, you know, it, it, it's discouraging because, the, the, these people that I've talked to, and I'm talking 17-year-old kids, you right, know, right. they have no grasp whatsoever of what they're getting into. Uh, you know, all they know is what they see on the television and how grand uh, the army is going. Going to see the world is what one big, you know, thing that, that you know, one big reason that's given. And going to see the world and going and getting an education. So it's a it's a career. I, I never really hear anything about one, you know, supporting our way of life or defending our freedoms. That's never a reason given. It is it's a career. It's a way to see the world. It's a way to get some training. Uh, and that is that's really if, if you're thinking on those terms when you're going to join an organization that by its very nature is designed to kill, uh, you've got a really bad problem to deal with. Uh, that that that's the root of the problem. Yeah, you know, uh, and 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 we've been educated that way, and and on television here all the time. Someone says, "Well, I served four four um, 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 uh, assignments in, in in Afghanistan," and the next thing out of the person, like, "Thank you for your service." I go, mm-hmm. "What service? What what did he serve? Who did he didn't serve me? You know, he went there and he hopefully didn't kill, didn't die, didn't get injured or come back." And a lot of guys come back so goofy they can't, they're, they're dysfunctional, and um, and there's a reason for it because they don't know why they're there. They're under tremendous pressure and they break after a while. And, and yet we, we, we continue this mantra. Thank you for your service. 
what service? To whom? For what reason? And no one wants to answer the question. Well, I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing as the baseball game. You know, you got you know forty thousand people waving their hats for the veterans. Of course, you know, kids. You know, there's the kids who are attending that baseball game see an entire stadium full of people. You know, giving adulation to these veterans, and that makes them think that this is an honorable thing. That's their service. Certainly, you know, the flag is waving. Uh, you know, the, the people are cheering, and that is the service. You're sacrificing, you're putting yourself in harm's way uh, for our country. And unfortunately, that is, that, that's indoctrination. You know? yeah. and, uh, and it's hard to convince with the people going into the military that it's not right, and it's hard to convince, uh, you know, your average American citizen that they're, they're, they're not serving us. Yeah. And, and the school system, of course, are run by the government, so the government version of these wars and how we got into these wars is the government version. It is not what really happened, but it's the one that makes us look like the good guy with the white hat going there, saving the world. Mm-hmm. When, when in fact, we sometimes have initiated certain actions that created an incident that forced us to go into the war, but that's never mentioned. I remember reading a book. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I forgot the author's name. It says Day of Deceit. You know, it was about how, um, how we knew well in advance that the, the Japanese were going to attack Pearl Harbor. And it's all documentation. It's, there's a, I mean, there's verbiage in it. But everything that is said is backed by doc- half, the th- half of the book is documentation. The actual government documents, you know, that has an actual photo of it, you know, with a stamp, government stamp on it, whatever. And everything that's said, if there's only one point in the book that I read where he makes a statement, he says, I do not have a document to back this up. So everything hmm. he says is backed up by a government document. But yet we don't learn that. We just learn what the government wants us to hear. And so we graduate school. We start believing that everything the government says is true. Everything we do is for altruistic reasons. And we're here to save the world. And since we're the world's policemen, we're the good guys. Sure. Well, I mean, why? what incentive does a public education system have to tell you how bad it is, right? <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, it's unsurprising. It's why I homeschool my children, right? Uh, but no, I mean, if you go to school and I, I went to, I went to private school, uh, and you know, I didn't hear, you're not going to hear any alternative, you know, theories about these things. Oh, let, I mean, let's take the Pearl Harbor, for example, let's just, let's not assume it's true, but there might be good evidence to, you know, uh, you know, explore the possibility. What incentive does a public school textbook have to say, you know, this is an avenue that some historians think might be true. This, you know, you're not going to see it. So I never learned. I, I, I'm assuming you didn't learn that. You know, the, that Pearl Harbor may have been. Uh, you know, they may have known about it. Gulf of Tonkin, the USS Maine, for that matter. Uh, so uh, no, it, it's it. There's a major problem with public education. And getting back to our original point too, it's also our tax dollars that are paying for this right. as well. So uh, it's our tax dollars paying for this type of indoctrination. Yeah. Now, I had um, Rick Rule on the program of, uh, about a week ago, and I asked him this question, and he gave the same answer that I gave when I was asked the question, and that was, is, is Donald Trump, President Trump, a good businessman? Right? 
And I'm going to ask you that question. Do you think Donald Trump is a good businessman? No, I I will have to admit that that's outside of my bailiwick. I, okay. I, I honestly I, I will, don't I'll know. I'll withdraw the question yeah. then. Let me withdraw the question, okay? Okay. Well, his answer was the same as mine. He's a good real dealer. But no, he sucks as a businessman because yeah. I'm a businessman. And as a businessman, if someone asks me to invest in something, I say, fine, let me see your source and disposition of funds, your, 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 uh, profit and loss statements, et cetera, et cetera. I'll look at it and I'll let you know. And uh, he doesn't do that. You know, he spends money that doesn't exist and somehow thinks it's going to evolve. Um, um, uh, I, I think he's just a, a wheeler dealer, you know, and, and people who say that he's oh, a successful businessman, well, depending on how you calculate the number of times he would um, he filed bankruptcy. It's either four or six times, depending on if you want to separate this too, that you can separate the separate bankruptcies. Some people say six times. I would say he beats me out there. So he must, in the bankruptcy <laughs> department, he beats me out all the way. Now, being a, a great businessman that he is, um, th- does he not understand that we, we may be approaching the, the, that, 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 that cliff where we fall off and we can't pay our bills anymore, that things are getting worse, um, that we cannot afford. We never pay our bills because all we do is print more money to pay the bills. So we, we basically, in effect, default a year because we never pay our bills with money we make. Hmm. We pay our bills with money that we create, that creating inflation and, and, and more money in circulation. Um, does he not know that there's got to be a come to Jesus meeting here, that sooner or later we're going to run out? And do you see this day coming or you think we can go on forever? Well, it, it's definitely going to come someday. I mean, this is it's unsustainable. Whether or not Donald Trump knows about it, you would have to think so. I mean, this is it's basic economics and whether or not he's a good businessman or not. I mean, anybody who knows anything about finance knows that you know that this is not sustainable but you know i don't lay this at the feet of donald trump you know i mean it really he's powerless here the only thing he can do is 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 sign legislation right this lays at the feet of our congress and they're the real cowards here they're the ones who really are to blame uh you know for, for this mess that we're in yeah. well you know uh, uh many years ago i i read an article that talked about um, how the CIA and the, and, and those, those that group of people um, hate when the president Trump when, when the president travels because they says every time the president this was many years ago every time the president steps foot out of the White House you know off the grounds etc it cost immediately a million dollars because of all the preparation and, and all the things they have to do and I'm sure it's much higher now. Now, this president has traveled more than any other president. And you would think, I mean, I'm sorry for being so logical, but (laughs) no, really, it it just annoys the hell out of me where, um, you know, we have a problem. Obviously, everyone knows what happened in Puerto Rico. It doesn't literally exist as a country, as as a nation anymore, a country anymore, or or whatever they want to call it. Um, uh, And yet he has to travel to Puerto Rico. Well, how about saving that? two, three million dollars, having them go down and take that money 
for food or for clothing or for energy or for something, rather than him traveling and making a scene that he is unnecessary. He's not going to be doing anything other than costing a couple of million dollars. He does the same thing in Florida. He does the same thing in Texas. I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars that can be saving lives. Well, it is populism 101, right? Uh, it looks good, right? You know, I, I am the president who cares. Uh, and, uh, and two, if he didn't do it, uh, the political price to pay would be enormous. That's why he does it. Uh, the fiscal reason for it, right? I mean, it is, you're absolutely correct. You are completely logical. Uh, it is a waste of money. Uh, and uh, the money would be better spent rather than sending food down there. How about paying off a little bit of that $21 trillion de- uh, you know, debt that we have? Uh, that's what we should be doing. Um, but no, it, it, it's politics one-to-one. It's populism. And it, honestly, it would be a steep price to pay for a president who doesn't go down there in these days. I mean, what natural disaster can you think of in the last 20 years that Obama or Bush or Clinton or Bush before him didn't go oh, right. no, I, I, mean, I agree. Yeah, it, I, yeah. I'm not playing the Democrat-Republican card right. at all. I mean, I think they're all wrong. They're, none of them are right when they do that. Uh, and, and they have to level with people, um, just like when, when Trump was running for for off for for president. Um, you know, he criticized all the um, the bombing in Syria and, and and the troops in Afghanistan. Then he becomes president and becomes a, a priority to do that. Um, and, and you know what? We have very short memories. We we want we want to forget what he said and the reason why he got elected. Then when he does exactly the opposite of what he said and the reason why he got elected, everyone applauds him. I think I'm losing my mind. I mean, obviously, because I, I see this and I say, you know, America, wake up. But America must be asleep. I, I don't understand this at all. I'm very frustrated with the United States. And quite frankly, I've always been concerned about our government. I've never liked our political order at all. But this is the very first time that I'm actually quite scared. Well, I am too. I mean, not to not to scare your viewers or anything, but it is a it's a scary scene right now, right? I mean, we're at a point now where the government really has unlimited power. I mean, that's where we are. Uh, I mean, our government. I mean, we're talking about. To be honest with you, everything we've been talking about is really pales in comparison to what our government can really do. We're talking about inflation and our and our president flying around and and. But I mean. When you think about it, our government has the power to uh, capture us, kidnap us, uh, bomb us, torture us, detain us indefinitely, surveil us. I mean, it is doing all these things now. And, uh, and you're talking about a citizenry that has a short memory. I mean, all this stuff came to light What with Snowden's revelations, what, four years ago now? I don't, I'm not even sure what it is. But recently – Nobody cares anymore, you know, and uh, and it is that is what's truly scary. People don't care, and we are we have this 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 you know this uh, monster on our hands that uh, really is uh, getting out of control. Like George Washington said, you know, it's fire, and the fire has gotten out of the fireplace, and uh, and nobody seems to care to want to stomp it out. Yeah. There, there was one area that I thought Trump would take the bull by the horns and finally make a change, and that's the war on drugs. I mean, we all know that, you know, people 
don't stand on street corners selling aspirin because you can buy, you know, um, for $1.29 at the, uh, at the discount store, you can buy a bottle of 200 aspirin and there's no, there's no money in it. But if they made aspirin illegal, all of a sudden people would be pushing aspirin on street corners because it would be, you know, $5 or $10 an aspirin, you know. Um, uh, the, the, the same holds true. Uh, Portugal recently, um, well, in the past couple of years, made drugs legal. Their, their drug use went down, rehabilitation's up. Law enforcement is not having the problems it had before. Uh, drugs is not as big a problem as it had before. All positive uh, responses from eliminating the war on drugs. Why don't we take lessons from that, or is the government being financed by the war on drugs? Well, I, I don't know about that. Uh, but, you know, before the war on terrorism really got cranked up, I mean, our, our biggest concern was the war on drugs. Uh, because of all the problems that it created, um, it uh, one back to, to to principles. You know, it's a violation of individual liberty. People should be able to put anything they want in their bodies, right? As long as I'm not hurting you, the business of it is yours. You know, I should be able to do what I want. Uh, but then the incentives are all messed up too. You know, one, you're creating a criminal class of peaceful citizens. You're throwing all these people in jail for nonviolent crimes. And then you're creating a black market, like you're just referring to with aspirin. Here you have, you know, a black market in anything. It's going to do two things for you. It's going to create violence, right? Because the people who are, you know, serving this black market have no recourse to the court system, right? If if the guy, you know, is has defrauded you or your customers, you know, your only recourse is violence. Can't take them to court. And then the second thing it does is that. It, the, the quality of the product is unverifiable. So you have, I mean, right now we have this massive opioid problem right now. And one of the biggest problems with it, I mean, one is obviously very addictive. So you get, you've got a, a really bad addiction problem. But a huge proportion of the people who are dying of overdoses with these is because the drugs that they're taking are adulterated with some fentanyl is a very uh, popular thing to cut it with. I think it's a hundred times more powerful than heroin and cheap. So, you know, if the, if drugs were legal, this would not be happening. One, you wouldn't have all these people in jail. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, people would be, wouldn't be having their, their rights violated and you wouldn't have people dropping like flies uh, because they, at least at a minimum, they would know what they were putting in their bodies. I mean, people are always going to get hurt. I mean, you still have people who die from alcohol use, right? But nothing like this, right? So, you know, why it is still continuing to go on, um, I think it's entropy. Um, you know, but that said, uh, you know, it's one of the areas where, where it's one of the few bright spots in, in the libertarian world where I think progress has actually been made. Uh, I think people are seeing it. Not just not just libertarians and not just people who are your average, you know, uh, uh, you know, political participants. I mean, I think Joe Sixpack here is finally starting to see the light on this because everybody knows somebody who has either you know died or is in jail or has had problems, and um, and also it's been going on for 40 years now. So right. and nothing's happened. And then we have examples of legalization working. Your example of Portugal is fantastic. Uh, that over there, I mean, just every single measure that you can think of, it has been a grand slam success over there. 
And then, and then look at uh, Washington State, look at Colorado, where, you know, all these predictions of doom and gloom when they legalize marijuana just have not come true. And now, now the legislators over there are just giddy with all the tax dollars that they're getting. So uh, it, it's, it, I, I think that if, if we were to have, you know, hope in any one area of policy, this is it. I, I think that we've got a chance to, if not full legalization, which is really the the, the goal at a minimum decriminalization. And I, I would take that right now. Yeah. You know, I think our, our elected officials know this. I mean, then one thing, they're not stupid. You know, they, they mm-hmm. know where the money is though. And there's no money in legalization for them, but there is, there is money by having wars. You know, we're, we're a peace loving nation that has a war on drugs, a war on poverty, a, a war on education. You know, you name it. We have a war, but we're a peace loving nation. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so contradictory. Everything that we do is contradictory. If I was a kid growing up, I would be goofball altogether. I'm, I'm a goofball now, and I'm an old goofball. I'd be a young goofball, but much, I mean, much worse than I am now. And I have someone here writing a question. You had wrote a question down? You wrote a comment? You just said, like, you had a comment for me? Give it to me. Let me see. Fox News Input Import Bank? Bank? No, what? Something you were talking about early in the show. Oh, the the football players and the DOD providing money uh, to the NFL. Oh, okay. They, Fox News did have a story on. Oh, they did have and a then story. They okay. It. All right. All so right. I just wanted okay. to put it. Well, so I, you're saying they recently talked about that? <laughs> yes, they did. They, they actually did. I learned a lot. <laughs> she's she's a she's a neocon, you know. Am I? Yeah. What is she's that? a neocon, you know. If, Define if, it. Let's have everybody represented here. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> if, if if we we, we nuked uh, West Virginia, she would be fine with that, you know. Sure. Because, uh, yeah. If, but, you know, West Virginia is really a bad no. place to be. Anyway, but West Virginia makes Arkansas look good. That, that's so right. that's, okay. that's why we like. Yeah. West okay. Virginia. All right. But, Sorry. Uh, we've. We've taken more than more than our a lot of time. I want to thank you so yeah. much for being yeah, on the program. Fun. Please do me. I, let me give you the last minute or so, just if you want to wrap things up or summarize or to tell me you'll never come back on the program again. No, 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 one, I would love to come back. So, uh, so thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. But uh, I would say to uh, the listeners, your viewers, uh, check us out. Check out uh, the Future Freedom Foundation, FFF.org, because what we – uh, what we represent is a truly free society. So as you can tell from what we're talking about here, what we advocate is a society that where everybody is allowed to do whatever they want as long as you're not violating the rights right. of somebody else. Right. We are for uncompromising libertarianism, and that means we don't, we're not calling for reform, calling for abolishing things. So if you want to abolish things like we do, uh, come and check us out. Yeah, I didn't mention that uh, I am, my wife and I are enthusiastic financial supporters of the Future Freedom Foundation, have been for many, many years, and hope to as long as we can do so. <laughs> okay, Bart, thank you so much for being on our program. We hope you will ex- accept that invitation to return at a later date. No, I had a great time, Jim. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. Folks, this is the end of today's program. We'd like to thank our sponsors for the financial support, and we'd like to thank you for listening in. You can further the cause of liberty by recommending this program to your friends, 
and let us hear from you. Our email just as comments at libertytalkradio.com. Remember, as my wife would say, you're either allowing your liberties to be taken away or you're striving to protect them. Unfortunately, there is no middle ground. Until next time, this is Joe Cristiano. You've been listening to Liberty Talk Radio. Stay well. Stay tuned. I'm not